This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by the following. On the energetic anthem, All the Way, legendless Ishan Burgundy and producer Kardec drums to inspire believers in Christ to go the full distance in life and faith. All the Way has an anthem-style vibe to move us forward during these tough times and to tell us we all can make it. Stream and share All the Way on your favorite platform today and follow Legend and Ishan Burgundy on all the socials. See, we the new normal, forget what you heard of, whatever you hearing. Please know the difference between what is true and what is your feelings. We've been here, listen, all the way. too drawn out for me uh, and i know if it's drawn out for me i know y'all are begging me to, to be finished with this thing right now yeah that was getting to a point where it's like and that's our show yep <laughs> yep absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. uh so no again ladies and gentlemen <laughs> jekyllman yeah <laughs> jekyllman anybody out there jekyllman dr jekyll mr high type stuff what's going on uh but no welcome to the latest and greatest episode of i to i short for inspired to inspire the podcast is all about being open, honest, real, having conversations about life and faith. And as you know, we are willing to boldly go where most folks ain't trying to. Amen. Uh, this episode ain't going to be no different. And I'm glad to say that we're back at it and ready to go. My name is Jordan. My name is Devin. My name is Justice. And Justice had a full hearty meal last week. And so now she's ready to tackle everything this week and we are so excited still digesting that burger king baconator whopper or whatever <laughs> she had so now, i honestly you know, forgot that's what i had oh yeah that is right no was it was it that time i thought you made like some italian food no that was before oh yeah that's right my bad my bad well you know you got to do that since <laughs> justice is all on social media talking about look at my my real training right here. Take no days off. <laughs> right. I'm going mad hard at all times. Right. Me- meanwhile, she's like, can I get that biggie sized? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've been eating horrible, but we're not here to talk about that. It's fine. We can be. <laughs> yeah, no, we can. Just for like yeah. maybe three seconds. So let's go, let's go into it. What did you eat today? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you feel like you're overcompensating when you supersize for other things in your life? Like height, maybe? Wait. Uh, okay. Whoa. Okay. We didn't have to take it there. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jordan's like, I'll take a small, I'll take a child size water. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I'll take it. I will. I will. You know, I'll take that child size water to go with my, I don't even know anymore. Whatever. Anyway, guys. Yeah. We're glad to have you rocking with us. Uh, excited for this evening. Uh, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have some good conversations. Uh, we're going to talk about, the power of one tiny little voice making a big difference. We're going to talk about uh, uh, wrongs being righted 
that's that's a pretty good thing to talk about. And uh, then we're going to talk about some some things. Devin's going to make light of it, but I, I think we're going to take it seriously. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. I mean, to be fair, I make light of everything. This is true. This is very very true. So yeah, that. And uh, and then of course we're going to talk about um, one of the more pressing issues uh, in our society today, um, Hamilton. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yep, yep. That's it. That's it. Mm. Uh, you know, from a biblical perspective, I'm sure. So we'll we'll, we'll work that out. Anyway, uh, yo, Dev, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. I've uh, gotten back into my office a couple of days a week, so that's been been new and exciting wearing my mask around the office and engaging with more people than just my, my kids and my wife. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun. <laughs> you feel like a free man right now, which is, is really what you're saying. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, there's definitely some freedom to being home and working in basketball shorts all day. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a pretty amazing feeling. I got, I got to say. It is weird how much quarantine changed. Like the first, for me, I've had a very strange kind of roller coaster. So the first like two days was was very cool. You're like, wow, this is kind of neat. It's kind of like a snow day. And then you're like, but my kids are home. And then that bled into like two or three weeks and it was just utter chaos and stress. Then we get the boys watched for a couple of days a week for like two months. And that was just wonderful. We were able to work. I was able to work out. I was able to take walks. I was able to do the little house projects. It was amazing. And then as soon as that stopped, one kid's been home, one kid's been at daycare, and the whole dynamic has shifted. And now I just feel like all I'm doing is playing catch up every single day. So Yeah. It sounds like you were having the snow day from hell. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> which is an oxymoron, but it's true. This is very, very I think that's why I said it. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, made enough sense. Whatever. I'm 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 done. Just how you doing, friend? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I haven't had the um, ability to work in basketball shorts, so that's that's not the the lifestyle I'm living over here. Oh, so sorry. I've had to go to work every day, <laughs> but it's fine. Well, it sounds like your boss is just cruel and unusual. <laughs> oh, so no, it's been good. It's actually like helped a lot because it makes life feel like I guess quote-unquote normal because you know my work schedule hasn't changed so I'm not at home often still I don't know how I would do working from home to be honest I think it would drive me crazy yeah there's pros and cons to be sure I mean you have to find a routine and you have to make sure that you stick to it the good news is that for the most part, what I do kind of has deadlines. And so, you know, if I'm not getting it done at, at 10 a.m. in the morning, then that just means I might be working at 10 p.m. But ultimately, I still got to do what I got to do. So, yeah, that yeah, has really so. been the suckiest part of the entire ordeal. Like, you, sometimes you forget to clock out. I think that's the best way I put it. Oh, for sure. I was just, I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, I'm sorry, is it, what time is it? Yeah, I, I really? can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've never checked work email like 24-7, except over the last like four months. I've been doing that because you feel like, boy, I, I really, I'm away so often. I have to kind of just be aware of what's going on at every minute. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Now that makes sense enough. But yeah, I think across the board, uh, 
this this COVID season has, has done a couple of things that uh, we all could take a couple lessons from. I think that that's that's something to to be said. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Fair to say yeah. for sure. Speaking of COVID season, Jordan, how is your family doing? Uh, people are doing okay. Uh, my sister specifically is um, doing better across the board, symptom wise, but she's still having issues breathing. Okay. Um, so I will definitely elicit prayers for that still. Appreciate that. Thank yeah. you so very much. Uh, but yeah, everybody else, I mean, for the most part, we're, we're blessed, man. Uh, we're covered. And, you know, the hope is that everybody stays that way, especially as we uh, begin to address things. I don't think we're going to address it this time, but you know, America seems to flatten the curve <laughs> in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if by flattening, you mean they, they took a horizontal line and flipped it vertically. <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. I just, I saw the chart and I immediately just SMH'd all over the place. I was like, oh, we've, we've done a really good job. Mm-hmm. Do you think we'll go into another shutdown? Hmm. Good question. I personally don't think so because the cat's out of the bag. We, I mean, we've pretty much said uh, we don't really care. <laughs> and I, I don't mean we as in the, the collective of America. I mean, we as in the people who are kind of making the overarching decisions as to whether we stay open or not. They pretty much said, well, if grandma dies, you know, oh, well, the economy must go on. That That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. And as Americans, listen, we've, we dealt with it for three months. Okay. We're bored. All right. Regardless of whether or not it's deadly, we're bored. It's time to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> so jacked up you would say that about game game man I, i'm not the one who said it <laughs> i would uh, i would say uh honestly i really feel at least in this moment uh what you said initially about following the money yeah i would say we can flip the script and use the understanding of following the military right now because mm. uh, i think if we did that then we'd realize very quickly that we're probably not processing this properly um, especially since they're not allowed to leave and do anything, including anything outside of, I don't know, going to the supermarket or going to work. Hmm. Uh, and, and and I think that's that. I, I even have a couple of people in my small group. One of them's in the, in the military, and I know for a fact that uh, I won't be seeing him in person again <laughs> in a very <laughs> long time at, at, at the rate that things are going. So uh-huh. It's interesting that the commander of the military is – not making those rules for the rest of America. <laughs> but apparently the military is uh, more important than the rest of us. So, Well, you know, they are because they, nope, we're not going to do it. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, I, I, I did my little bit of petty for now. Uh, the rest of it will be back later. Uh, but I guess we need to go and get it started. So there was a story that came out in CNN, and nope, my petty's already back because I was in absolute shock that this was in CNN because it was positive. But we're talking about the power of one voice. So this is this is really, really awesome. Uh, and a um, young man by the name of Nolan Davis in Kirkwood, Missouri, uh, decided that he wanted to take a positive step. Um, he's actually a, a, a cute little biracial kid. I'm looking at the picture right here. Um, and he really felt bad uh, about everything that was going on and wanted to exercise the power of his voice. And so he decided that he wanted to raise him up uh, a protest and and do a little rally in his neighborhood on behalf of Black Lives Matter. 
And they were thinking that apparently there was only going to be like maybe tens of folks show up. And ultimately, I'm trying to find the exact number right here. I don't have the answer, but it doesn't matter because I know that it was somewhere more along the lines of like seven, eight hundred right. people that showed up. Um, and I just thought it was awesome because I feel like this is a salute. Uh, but yeah, just he, um, they even interviewed him to to get an understanding. And and he was just, he, he was just to the point. I just, I love the heart of kids when they understand certain things. And he says, I'm worried about black people like me uh, getting hurt. Some skin is in the chocolate, some is in the vanilla, some mixed together like mine, but we're people. Nolan Davis said through a megaphone at the start of their event, which took place that Saturday. I think this was about uh, three weeks ago. said, even though I'm a kid, it's important to speak my voice so people can hear me and know they can share their voice too, just like me. Woo. Okay, cool. So, yeah, you know, I mean, the bottom line was they they interviewed him, they interviewed his mom, and they pretty much talked about uh, the event itself. There's not too much more to get into, but I just really thought that that was amazing because I really love encouraging people in my world, especially in coaching and stuff, you you can never underestimate the power of one voice. You never know exactly what you're going to be able to do with your voice. And, you know, I feel like we can't stress that enough, especially in a season like this where so many people fear for whatever reason. You know, I, I know myself, I used to be that way, um, you know, on my job or whatever the case may be, I would find myself in positions where I'm like, you know, I really feel like I should say something. And then I didn't. And to be perfectly honest with you, I really, really regretted it. So that's one of the reasons why this article resonated with me. Um, and I really just, uh, you know, I know that in the Bible, we can talk about a million different conversations or a million different stories, you know, and talk about Moses or, you know, I'm just, just taking it in so many different directions. But the bottom line was, I just love the fact that this one little kid decided hey, I want my voice to be heard. And then also I want other people's voices to be heard. So that was pretty cool. I think the blind ambition of children and just the the sheer audacity that they have <laughs> to set something like this up. I mean, there's so many examples of this where young people are leading the way, you know, whether it's this eight-year-old boy or whether it's, you know, the students after the Parkland shooting or whether it's, uh, you know, Gerda Thunberg or, or whoever it may be, whether you agree with them or not, the fact is, is that when you have young people willing to forgo popularity or status or whatever it may be and chase after something that they truly think needs to change in this world, that's something that we should always, you know, basically aspire to be. We should aspire to be the same way. So if we think that something is that important, we should have the courage to kind of push aside all those things that, that we might be fearful of losing and go ahead and pursue that and try to try to be world changers ourselves. And I think there's so much inspiration in, in children doing this. And it also got me thinking, the people who kind of deny that the racism is a systemic thing, when you look at how children interact with one another, they don't, uh -oh. they, they don't react that way at all. They, they don't see these, these differences as a negative. Instead, it's just they see these differences as, hey, that's, that's my friend who's unique this way, and, and everything's positive. And over time, whether it's learned through parents or family, 
that might not even be the case. It's just simply simply learn through the culture and through society as a whole. That's how we know that these things are systemic because you can't even get to the age of, you know, 12 years old without now seeing the differences, good or bad. It's just eventually ingrained into who we are as Americans and, and you can't get away from it. Yeah, it made me think about 1 Timothy 4.12 when Paul was talking to Timothy and it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. And I don't know, it just made me think about that because I think a lot of times, like when you're younger, I think you can still be very wise in your youth. And so I think it was really cool to see this young kid step up because I think no matter what age you are, whether you're 30, 40, like Jordan said, you have a voice and you can use your voice to to speak life and to speak it in love and truth. And so it just made me think about that from like a bi- biblical standpoint. Um, I thought that that related really well. Love reading through Timothy because I think it does speak to the next generation. And I don't think that it's used enough by leadership to empower the generation that's being groomed to kind of lead the way after the current generation starts to kind of subside. And I just see it with my kids that the the biggest difference is not the why should we and that pessimistic attitude that a lot of adults have. Why should we do this? Tell me why it's important. Tell me what the value is. And kids are more, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we do this? Like, let's go ahead and, and, and do that. Like, not why should we, it's why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we take a shot? And everything is so risk adverse and the risk and reward have to balance out or at least the reward has to outweigh the risk where the kids are just like, no, I, I mean, who cares? They're, they're just blind to the risk in a lot of ways, which is, it is a positive thing. We talk so much about worldview, especially right now, that to just simply dismiss a worldview that doesn't account for risk the same way means that you're going to be blind to a lot of things that you otherwise wouldn't take a chance at because you're so enamored with what the risk is versus just what the ultimate reward could be. Yeah, I think that clamps down on like the simplicity of the understanding of what Jesus said when he said, if you have the faith of a child, you know, or you must have the faith of a child. I think that's a, a big aspect of it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I, I said that one time. Hopefully I'll say it no more. Love myself in this podcast. Ah. Listening. It's just great. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think that, especially in our culture, there's been a cultivation of the suffocation of dreams after like the age of nine and 10. Okay, I get it. When you're younger, you know, like me, you asked me what I wanted to be in the 1980s. Shut up, Swango. Um, <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yeah, you know, I, would, I would say something along the lines of, you know, He-Man. <laughs> you know, I wanted to be the master of the universe. Man. A full disclosure, I wanted to be Teen Wolf, so we're cool. Yeah. Come on now. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of look like him now, so we're, we're still working through some things. It's mm-hmm. okay. And he was so good at basketball, like absurdly good at basketball. He was, so. even though those dunks yeah. weren't real. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was trampolining. He was still. <laughs> I, was about to say, I was like, bro, that, if he did that in real life. That luxurious arm hair just waving in the wind from. <laughs> I always felt like he just had to smell like a huge armpit. Oh, it had to be awful. Could you imagine playing defense against a wolf? 
<laughs> no, he can have the ball. Be so nasty. Have that ball. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, though, but yeah, you know, I just I really felt like across the board, um, especially witnessing uh, being uh, I don't want to say a light, but you know, a guide as best as I could to a bunch of to even even Justice Swango for like two point three seconds. Uh, but you know, being a light to to them and trying to be a guide. Uh, and remembering hearing these dreams, and then more importantly, remembering hearing the fall off. Um, it was it was actually a, it was a touch heartbreaking in certain instances, and you know the main reason would always be, and you you could pick it up in in a lot of different ways. There were many different nuances, especially in Eastern culture, being in, in certain Asian families. Um, there was expectation on you to do something different that involved you not following your dream. So yeah, we can have that conversation too. But the bottom line is uh, from, from a spiritual perspective, I believe that we're all called and purpose to do something. And I believe that that call or that purpose that we have, it puts us in a certain predicament to make decisions to be able to take steps toward that. And I know that the minute that anybody recognizes is exactly what they're called or purpose to, uh, it's the is the minute that the enemy is going to do everything he can to distract, to discourage, and ultimately to to put somebody in a state of defeat. So you know, I'm thinking about this this young man right here, this Nolan Davis, and looking at how he is already exercising the power of his voice, and that's that's why I just got excited because yeah, technically this is a really really dull story, and I can understand how they say that this don't make the news because sex sells, um, and you know it's proverbial. Sex, thank you. But <laughs> regular sex sells too, though. So. And it yeah. does, but I, yeah. you know, for for the sake of whatever, <laughs> I just I had to put that in there. Um, but to know that he now recognizes exactly how much power his voice had just by wanting to galvanize people in his community, thinking that he was going to get ten, twenty, thirty, forty, and you get seven hundred. I mean, that in itself is amazing, and it's for the right reason. On top of that, he wasn't just trying to put together a fun rally or whatever the case may be. I don't even know what a fun rally would be. I don't know just what I'm saying. But, you know, so I, I just, I know we don't want to spend too much time on this, but I really wanted to give Nolan a salute um, because that's just incredible to me. And if nothing else, it is an inspiration for me knowing, you know, that the difference that he made had that kind of impact. What, what might even me be able to do because you know we got, we got to fight through things sometimes we got to fight through feeling uh deficient and adequate and everybody goes through it so maybe i'm just having a vulnerable moment i will not shed any tears but you know <laughs> we're, we're we're there it's not just you and it and it doesn't stop i think it starts at 8 or 9 and then continues cuz i've had people tell me i can't do something when i'm in my 20s you know it doesn't it doesn't end you're always going to have the naysayers and I, I am so optimistic for the generations that are following up behind even my own generation because they are legitimately asking why to understand more and to empower themselves so that when they do meet a roadblock, they can creatively work around it somehow or another. They're not just conforming to you know, well, this is how it's always been. So this is how we're going to do it, which is a really crazy way to just go through life. Yeah, I was um, talking to my mom about that the other day. We were just talking about how we really feel like the younger generation is going to um, 
be really influential in just different movement, different things that are going on, just really going to push certain things to like a different level. I really think that especially my generation, like we really um, are going to make an impact on just, you know, whether that's social issues or just, I even think about like, I think there's going to be certain people, certain um, young adults who like you at least expect they'll be used to just even with like just sharing the gospel and just being a teacher of things. Um, I don't know. I really just believe like the younger generation is going to, is going to make a lot of headway and, and movement and we're going to be really influential. Um, and that's why I thought this article was so cool too, is because it just, that should inspire people, you know, that like, again, like God is, you have a purpose. God has called each and every one of us for such a time as this. Um, and we just have to be confident and knowing that. So it was really cool to read. Really cool to see that, especially on CNN. I would have to agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great that you bring up the fact that this generation is going to be better sharers of the gospel. And the reason why I say that is because I know that growing up, I did very little asking of why I believe what I believe and simply just kind of ate up whatever it was I was told that I believe. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s, really, that I really started to question, well, what is the, the root of this? What, is, what are the true beliefs behind this? What is this grounded in? You know, what's the foundation of what it is that I have been told that I believe all these years? And I don't think that the generations to follow us are going through the motions that way. Those questions are being asked a lot sooner. And I think that's only going to work to empower and uh, gain wisdom and knowledge that can now be applied to really make a difference going forward. So that's, you know, what you bring up. And that's why I'm really optimistic about where the future is for us. Yeah, speak for yourself. I'm a college professor. Moving on. No, I'm <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I I definitely agree wholeheartedly. Sometimes I think it takes a, a little bit more of a, a jab in the ribs to, to get them moving, but without a doubt, uh, they are at least asking the questions and really wanting to know. So, Well, there's nothing more annoying from your kids than when they're constantly asking you why. And so, Jordan, all you're doing is you're getting that from like, you know, 15 kids at one time where I'm just getting it from two. <laughs> so I can understand the frustration. That makes sense. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't really, I, I said the word jab, I did, but I would rather just hit them with my car. Moving on. Um, Jeez. That was pretty hard. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Especially in a time where too many people have been hit by cars in, in, like, these protests and stuff. This is getting crazy. Bro, it's not my fault. It's literally how I was raised. Uh, shout out to C. Rutherford, too. Um, my father, you know, when, when I got bigger, just real short story for you. Um, and I got stronger and I got faster and that I just might be stronger and faster than he was. The threats and use of discipline had to increase as well. So first it was the the belt. Um, and then after that, it, it had to be uh, the bat. And then it became the cast iron skillet. And then when I could outrun him, it, it had to become the car. So, jeez. You know, but you see, I'm I'm the young and, and strong black man that I am today because of that man. And I really appreciate the threat 
that when I was 14 years old, I wasn't acting right for about three seconds. And three seconds. I, maybe legit. It could have been a legit three seconds. Three I ain't playing when I say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he turned to me. And I just, you no, know, as a matter of fact, I remember I didn't even get in trouble this time. I had gotten something stolen from me uh, from my locker during PE or something like that. And they wanted to go up to the school. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, they wanted to go up to the school and and ask questions to make sure everything was good. But my pops looks at me on the way there and he just turns, he's like, there ain't anything else I need to know before we get there, is there? <laughs> and I'm just like, no, nah, no, nah, Pete, no, nah, no, nah, cool. I thought it was more like that. How'd you let them take your stuff, boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, man, you know, kids was hood. Yeah. That's just, as a matter of fact, I might have even known who took it, but we don't oh, need to have that conversation either. Didn't rat him out, though. Uh, yeah, well, no, no, you know, we, I, I was in the no snitch coat. Would you like to do it now, 25 years later? <laughs> No. Okay. Just, I mean, I've, I've forgiven, and to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, well, that's but right. you certainly haven't forgotten. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did. I did. Um, I did not forget. Anyway, yeah, so you keep interrupting me. I just want to I'm get sorry. to the one point. Those four words that changed my life. My father looked at me in the car. He was like, good, because if anything else is happening, I will kill you. Jeez. And I could tell that he meant it from the bottom of his heart. So when I start talking about things like the bat or the cast iron skillet or the car, I need you to understand um, that I feared for my life. And that's what put me on the straight and narrow. And yeah, it's probably not the most orthodox means of discipline, but hey, it worked for me. So I mean, it technically worked for Abraham. Yeah, this is true. This is very, very true. It's very, very true. Cool, cool, cool. All right, let's get this party going. So, uh, big means of celebration of not just uh, an overturned conviction, but just people in general, man. I, we we talked about this before, but I was waiting for for the the final shoe to drop in the situation, and it did last week. Um, I legit could not stop crying, but it was tears of joy, so it was cool. Uh, Jonathan Irons, who was convicted of burglary and assault in 1998 and sentenced to 50 years in prison, was officially released from the Jefferson City Correctional Center on Wednesday, according to Kurt Street of the New York Times. Uh, now, for those of y'all who don't have the backstory or you happen to miss that episode, go back and check it out. Uh, Jonathan Irons was wrongfully convicted of these crimes. And because of, well, let's just say it, a really jacked up, uh, law system. Uh, he ended up going to jail anyway and had been in there for, uh, I think it was uh, at least 14, 15 years, um, maybe even longer than that in the 20s. I, 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 I glazed over the fact that he was in there for being wrongfully convicted. Uh, but anyway, here's, here's the really, really awesome part of this. this and it's uh, uh, another addition to never underestimate the power of one voice. WNBA star and all-time GOAT. Just going to put that out there, which I hate saying because of somebody who went to UConn. <laughs> I mean, that's where all the, the female GOATs come from, though. I mean, shoot, that system's crazy. This is very, very true. You know, uh, this is just something I've grown to accept. Apparently, any any female GOATs that, that we know in this world I'm, I'm, come from places I don't want to have conversations about. Uh, Justice knows. We we love Ewell. That's my sister. Um, but I don't like Duke University. And so, of course... <laughs> You know, get off this podcast right now. What? I mean, he's kind of the founder. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, hold on, woman. I know you're not mute. <laughs> Come on, bro. Meanwhile, I'm just trying to figure out what we call a lady goat. Is, is there a different name? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out. Female goats <laughs> are referred to as does or nannies. All right. So she's the nanny. 
Okay. But so right. WWNBA star and all around nanny. That's just awkward. Maya Moore <laughs> put her basketball career on hold in part to help Irons overturn his conviction. The four-time champion and former rookie of the year and MVP stunned the basketball world when she set out the entire 2019 season. Uh, Moore had met Irons while doing prison ministry in 2007 and formed a friendship with him then. Man, I just, you know, in, in, a, in a season of life where we can be perfectly honest and, you know, this goes back to Devon's, uh, uh, you know, juxt uh, stance on on 2020 um, and how it's the the best of times and it's legit the worst <laughs> of times and and it sucks and it's beautiful and 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 all these great things are happening and 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 stick a fork in me just you know I I love hearing things like this um, and the main reason of course is because I mean I'd love to be super deep about stuff like this but it really has nothing to do with the price of tea in China when it comes down to it. Um, too many people feel like there's absolutely no hope in any situation. And then you get the chance to see something like this and it, it just gives you that little glimmer, you know, like there's, there's potentially a light at the end of the tunnel, even though it is still very, very dark, you know, and I just, I love the fact that we get to take the opportunity and celebrate these moments because this was on the news and I'm pretty sure that a couple of people saw it, but legit if you're listening to this podcast right now i need you to ask yourself did you actually see or hear about this event take place and i'm willing to bet that a vast majority of the percentage of the folk that are listening right now did not and do not know about this and so we have to be able to make sure that stuff like this gets out there man because you can sit up here and get sucked into the show hole that is uh, looking at things on Instagram and Facebook. Let <laughs> 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 me be perfectly yeah. honest with you. My God, I really, I, I hate it. There's so much negativity, like so much. It just, it outweighs the good that actually is going on in the world. So that's why I think it's so important for us to to bring this stuff to light and share it because there's so much negativity that we need the positivity to to override the negative content that's continuously being put out there. And by the way, he served 22 years. Thank you. Having just recently watched Just Mercy and actually discussing it at length with people in a community group that I lead where we simply talk about movies. Show off. It's uh, You're a part of the group, so whatever. I don't. <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty cool to see this story. Plus, I've... I've heard about this story for the last couple of years because one of the you know, sports podcasts, and I say sports loosely because uh, the person I listen to barely talks about sports much, um, but they, they've had her on before. She's talked about the story, and it's just really cool, uh, not to mention the fact that, you know, my brother, before he passed, was heavily involved in prison ministry, and I got, you know, kind of roundaboutly involved in that, and just seeing what it is that our system does to people and what it does to families. And, you know, just go ahead and, and couple that up with the current Black Lives Movement and how much incarceration has just torn apart communities and really set back generations. Whenever the, the people can get a win from a system that is this unjust, it's truly a time to, to celebrate and reflect on, you know, how much more we need to do and, and how further we need to go with this. 
I think this is such a great example of um, it's bigger than basketball. Like I love the heart of Maya Moore um, and I just love what she has done and the example that she just continues to live out outside of the court. Um, It's amazing to see that she's used her platform um, that sports has created for her um, and she's using it, you know, in a positive way to to see change happen. And so for me, that was really cool, especially being a former collegiate athlete. I just, I just thought it was really cool to see that, you know, we always hear like it's bigger than basketball. Well, like she truly is living that out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, I think that's one of the main reasons I I like this story as well. And, And why I do feel like so many people need to hear it is because everyone does have a platform. And so now we're not reaching, you know, 8 million celebrities or anything like that. That'd be really, really dope. Uh, but neither here nor there. They I do wish. feel beyond a shadow. Hey, no, I don't wish. I, I believe. No, I said they wish. Come on now. Get them tongues going. You really did that, didn't you? Okay. That's cool. I did. <laughs> yep. We're there. So this is happening. Uh, but yeah, no, the, I mean, this is I, this is my main takeaway from from the understanding that Maya Moore did that. Um, we know dang well that a vast majority of those people in the position that she's in right now, they might really flex uh, the power of their voice, but how many of them are actually sacrificing a season of something to go ahead and put that power into action as well? You know, and I think that's what really spoke to me the most on this is that she understands. Um, servant leadership, you know, I think that's what that's really all about. I think that it's her saying, uh, not, not just do as I say, but really do as I do, you know, and that is a really, um, a really beautiful art that has not gone practiced a lot recently. You know, a lot of people are willing to say whatever they're going to say. Uh, but where on earth do you put your money where your mouth is anymore? Well, thankfully, Maya showed us, you know, you can put your money where your mouth is in, in the prison systems and, and, and with, with law and, you know, just any other thing that she decided to get herself involved in when it came to this. This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds, dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. Um, I really didn't think that there was any hope, you know, and I'm just being perfectly honest with you, uh, because there are a multitude of instances where what we just saw last week does not happen. And, you know, even from a biblical standpoint, you know, just, we, we, we've had this conversation, uh, there's, I don't think anybody in in jail per- currently is 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 the savior reincarnated. I don't, I don't, that's not even a thing. Um, but I I do know that there were so many 
amazing people in the Bible that were wrongfully accused and thrown in prison. <laughs> you know? And thrown in prison was the, the best option. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, some of them might, might have been killed that too. A little but, bit. You know, just, I don't know. I, I, I have a, an overwhelming sense of emotion that I'm trying my best not to, to fully put on display here. Um, but I wanted to be heard because I also want to make sure that people recognize, especially in the season coming up, no matter what it is, um, if you are really game, and I guess this is a perfect segue into the next part of our conversation, if you're really game uh, to be involved in the process, and if you're really game to make sure that you are actually having some form of impact, um, there's going to come a point where you recognize within yourself that you got to count the cost in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Uh, and Maya understood exactly what that was. And you know what? Things didn't have to go the way that they did. But I think because of the person that she is and, and what we now see as her integrity and her character, it did unfold very well. Thank God. I mean, you know, she, she had to talk to the Lynx organization to let them know, hey, I'm sitting out. She didn't just go ghost on them, you know, and they could they could have very well not have responded the way that they did, which was 100% in support of what she was doing. So praise God for that, you know. But uh, we also know that there's going to be some times where people are going to look at you like you're crazy because yeah. of the things that you want to do. And we just, we got to be ready for those things. And that might be a part of counting the cost. You might have some family members that don't understand why you say Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. um, when, when, you know, all lives really do matter, but right now is a means of not polarizing, but as a means of exposing all of the darkness, uh, that has occurred over decades and centuries. Yeah. You know, counting the cost might mean I got to put my concern for my proverbial life on the shelf to make sure that your life is safe and secure. And that one day we can sustain equality and equity. You know, people are, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that when people listen to this, that they begin to understand that because what I am really sick and tired of seeing is those folks on Facebook. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad at them. I understand they they are a product of their environment and I cannot refute that. But people who are really about change without being open to understanding what would be required to make that change. And they are fighting it tooth and nail. And the only reason is because, and I had to say it this way, but this is how this works. Ignorance is not bliss. You know, I've, I've heard ignorance is bliss all my life. And I've very quickly come to the conclusion in the past few years that it is definitely not bliss. Um, because then you don't understand why your, your friend that is of another color, or another race or whatever is hurting. And you feel bad, but then you don't want to go deeper beneath the surface to get to the reason why they feel bad and then recognize that maybe just maybe even if indirectly you and your people might've played a part and that's how you can fix it is by standing against whatever that is instead of being, what's the word people use these days, butthurt. I don't know, I guess. Whatever. Wow. I don't think that's the word people are using as often anymore, but that's, it's a fitting word. I yeah. think that the two biggest takeaways for me Stop from Stop laughing, Justice. From <laughs> the two biggest takeaways <laughs> for me from this story that really coincide with just kind of decision making in life is we've talked a lot recently about anything of value is going to cost you. So you you are gonna have to pay a cost. And the fact is she was she's 31 now. 
She basically stopped her basketball career two years ago, I believe. So that would be yeah. 29. Uh, I do not know the average life expectancy for a career for a superstar WNBA player. I was like, hold on, is but, she gonna die? No, no, no. But for a for an NBA player, I mean, most of these guys are playing to like 38 to 40 years old. So she very well may have had 10 more years to to play in the league. I don't I don't know if that's normal. Yeah, well, they said that if I remember correctly, they said she was like leaving at her prime time, like yeah. Like she was getting ready to hit her like peak in the league. Well, she won like some award, like the the female athlete of the year or something, I think in 2017. So then the very yeah. next year, she's like, ah, I'm good. Like imagine yeah. leaving at that point, you know, I mean, that's it, it's pretty close to Jordan leaving after he won the three, except for the fact that when he did that, we all were like, well, it's because his dad died, you know, whatever that may be in this situation, she's doing it to help somebody else. Right. Like that, and then couple that up with you know to Jordan's point, even he was looking at this and going, "Hmm, I'm following this, but I'm really not going to follow it because I don't really see how this is going to end in in any kind of positive way." That kingdom mindset is a lot of times, and I hate the word journey because it's so cliched, but I'm going to use it because it makes sense here. A lot of times, you're going to be called to start a journey that you cannot see the finish line to. Exactly. And unless you take those steps, that means that no one's going to see the finish line. And and that's truly a kingdom or a legacy mindset where you might start something that you're not going to get to see follow through. And we see that theme constantly throughout the Bible. We see it from the very beginning with, you know, Moses and, and the Israelites and going, well, you're going to have to wait 40 years, even though you can see it right across. <laughs> you still got to wait. Um, you know, so... Just be willing to, A, do something even if it's going to cost, and B, do something even if you don't get to see the finish line. So then moving on to stuff that's a little bit more, not I'm not going to say that the stuff we didn't talk about wasn't inspiring or uplifting. It certainly was. But something that's maybe just slightly more humorous. So one of the things I thought would be interesting to do since we have all these questions coming in from white America, and Jordan will admit this, and Justice, she'll probably admit this. Oh, Jesus. You know how for years you've been, you know, the, the black community has been saying, just, you know, just listen, just listen, just, li and now you have a bunch of white people going, okay, I'm ready to listen, but I also have a bunch of questions. So I, I just want to do a segment, and maybe we maybe make this a regular segment. Do can I really, uh, can, I, can I just, can I just no, say listen, right quick? Yeah. Just, just hold, hold it. This is the segment I'd like to do. <laughs> white folks wonder. Okay. So. Oh my God. Okay. White folks. That's, that's, that's clean. Yeah. Okay, cool. Wait, I wasn't going to use some of the other stuff I workshop, <laughs> which I'm sure if you've listened long enough. I mean, just, just go ahead and tell, tell, tell the masses. Yeah. Tell the masses what you was, what, <laughs> what was the one I, you know, I can't say it. There was uh crackers got questions and whitey be asking. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, so I went with white folks wonder. I feel like that's a little more, a little more PG and acceptable. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's clean. So with that in mind, I saw a treat, a, a tweet, a treat. A treat. <laughs> a treat. I saw a tweet recently and it, it had me, a white folk, wondering <laughs> if you guys would agree know. with this. 
the tweet basically said, uh, let me pull it up here. Where did it go? I'm, I'm pulling a Jordan. Where did it go? Um, Chill out, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It said, uh, I still think about how BET really missed the bag with creating actual meaningful content such as black cooking, home improvement, crafting shows, and not just black people embarrassing themselves or baby boy being played every day. So I'd be wondering, <laughs> what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Do you think that there's uh, a lack of that type of entertainment or that type of media catered to the black community? Uh, I know. I, I see you justice. I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> um, for years, in the back of my mind, I've wondered why we haven't had anybody on a cooking show that could show up Paula Dean. And she's a polarizing figure. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I, 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 like I'm kind of joking when I say that, but at the same time, come on, the woman deep fries butter right. and makes stuff that no matter how, like, you know, I, I was taken aback when I heard about her little N-word story as well. And I mean, mm -hmm. I know it was probably years ago and we forgive and it's covered under the blood. Um, I know some people almost couldn't let go of that because, you know, it's a face facts moment. You see her food. It looks absolutely amazing. But I'm like, you know, that going well. There's somebody out there that should have a cooking show. Right. That could show her up. Right. That looks like me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just I, I don't I don't know exactly where else to go with that. But then I, I do think about some other things that I know for sure black folk would really like. Okay, then you can flip the script. There's other things as well that we have an appreciation for that I don't see black folk really doing. Like, okay. for example, my amazing and my beautiful wife, especially every summer, I don't know why, but she gets drawn into HGTV and DIY. And next thing I know, our DVR is filled with pool shows and openness and a straight gut and, you know, just all these things I didn't know what, what they meant before. <laughs> now I have no idea. Or no choice. Excuse Maybe me. we should bring her on. Does she feel underrepresented in the HGTV realm? Like, because the closest thing that I can think of is Snoop with Martha Stewart. Like, that's <laughs> that's the closest representation that the black community has when it comes to these very white Pinteresty endeavors. <laughs> Yo, you are, oh man, you're so spot on. One black couple now, though, on HGTV. I think it's a new show. Okay. Um, there's think. there's one with a mixed couple. I seen that. Is it a one. mixed couple? <laughs> They're halfway there. I don't I don't remember the name, but yeah, I think it's like build build your home in a hundred days. I I can't remember something like that, but I just know the yeah the girl is um I don't know what she is, but she's really really dark, and it ain't no tan. <laughs> Ebony and Ivory go house hunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like Aisha Curry and like Tia Mowry. Um, I think she now has a cooking show. So I feel like now there are, they're trying to, but they're not on BET though. No, what what are they on? Yeah, exactly. I think that, I think Aisha Curry and Tia Mowry are on the cooking network. What is that? Food what network? Is the food network. Food network. Come on, Burger King. You don't know it's called the food network? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But you know the food network. <laughs> Tia Maori had her own Facebook um, page thing too. So I don't know if she was, I think she was on Food Network. Anyway, that still just goes to show that there aren't that many. No, no, there's like 
Americans or people of color like on those type of shows. But I will say that I don't know if you guys watched Blackish. I I know of it. Am I black? Hello. Okay. But you will, I know you would agree with this, Jordan, that that show, they were so advanced in their like episodes of just like, even with like the, the social injustice and like talking about race and like all that stuff. Like, it's crazy to think like I was just like watching an episode like a couple weekends ago and I was like, whoa, that was like recorded. I can't remember exactly. I'm just throwing out a number here, but I think it was like in 2017 or 2018. It was like two or three years ago when they had like made this episode and I'm like, what? Like, because it's so relevant to today. That's because this stuff has been happening for 400 years. Right. (laughs) Right. But it's crazy because now people who watch that, like, even though we know about it, like, I feel like now people who are watching it, it's probably easier for them to like see it and relate to it because now they realize like now people's eyes are more wide open to it. So if they see that, they're like, oh, wow, like, we can relate to this because this is what's going on today. <laughs> and I know Blackish being a comedy, it's like people are now uh, on the inside of a really bad race-related joke, and they're they're now finally getting it. Which, <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what Blackish is. Yeah. And, and that's always yeah, you're right. Uh, just like for real, I think that they are the history lesson that a lot of white folks needed mm-hmm. before they recognized exactly how much they needed it. Uh, because they do, they especially when they do those little cartoons, you're going to get a history lesson and you know it's coming. And yeah, yeah, some of it might be funny, but at the same time, there's nothing realer uh, than those those little cartoons and the history lessons. And I, I love, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I think the man's crazy, but Kenya Bears, across the board, his shows, um, you know, I mean, I think sometimes they're, they're a little excessive, but whatever, especially Black AF, because I did watch that. Um, and I can watch that one. Yeah, but it, it, but you know the wild thing was Michonne and I were talking about it tonight. We were like, "Yo, for real, a lot of the things that are happening that they experience." And it's funny because Kenya is a multimillionaire and really lives his life as if he's a multimillionaire. And I think that that show was really very very reflective of his life. Um, but even all that being said, the that even the things that he endures or has to encounter as a multimillionaire who's a successful successful producer um, are because of slavery. And I'm just like, and and if you look at um, the titles for the first season, and they only have one season out right now for Black AF, but all of them in one way, shape, form, or fashion say, yep, it's because of slavery. (laughs) And at first I was just kind of weak at that. And then I had to really sit there and think about it. And like I said, me and uh, me and Misha were talking about that tonight. And I was just like, man, like a lot of the things that we endure, a lot of the things that we encounter, and a lot of the things that we go through are legitimately because of something that will backdate itself to slavery and the things that have happened because of it. And I was just like, whoa. So yeah, when when I look at that, and then when I look at Blackish and even Mixedish, um, I think Mixedish is a completely different lens that still lends itself fully to the understanding of racism in America too. I just, I think that he does a great job across the board. Now, yeah, of course, you know, for some people, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. And if you are one of those Christians, that's perfectly fine. Um, but, you know, if you if you can stomach some craziness every now and again, I definitely would at least recommend checking out one episode uh, for sure. And then, you know, to answer your question, again, still though across the board with BET, I think that they've done some awesome things. I think they've done some horrible things, but you cannot, you cannot 
have an issue with baby boy being played every single day. <laughs> well, I don't personally have that issue. I think the question is just, it's more, it's a little bit deeper than that. It's basically saying, hey, here was a platform that you had and the the choice was never made to consciously expand it. So I think about like some of the amazing television or you know movies that have been created by by black entertainers or you know just brilliant black people for instance Atlanta I still think is is the best TV show on TV when yes, when it's on and that will talk about race relations in a way that black is only wishes that it could um, except it's a lot of more veiled and uh, subtle ways so you kind of have to pay attention to it and then I think you know Neil uh, Brennan, who helped Chappelle with Chappelle Show, uh, I've heard him talk, and he's he's pretty hilarious. But he has basically said that when Chappelle decided to stop doing Chappelle Show, when being offered fifty million dollars to continue it, it was because every time he sat in a boardroom with the executives, and they were laughing at the ideas, he'd look around the room, and it was a bunch of white executives, and they would laugh at the ideas, and he realized that they actually weren't getting the joke. The whole thing that Chappelle was doing was he was writing these parodies and these sketches to basically laugh at how white people perceived black people. <laughs> and yet all they were doing was laughing at the perception, not the the extra level of joke that he had in there. And he's like, I can't sit in this room. I cannot possibly take money from people who don't even get the joke that I'm telling. <laughs> and, yeah, you always I've I've had an appreciation for Chappelle like that for years because you don't recognize that, and it's funny because what was the movie that we watched? Oh yeah, that's right in the in the CG Inception. Yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. To he them. was, and yeah, yeah he was going three that's, four that's... layers deep. He's it, like it's not as accessible as like In Living Color or as accessible as Key and Peel, which you know on on the surface are hilarious, yet they're also still going kind of you know, a layer deep into some of those issues and, and mm -hmm. making people feel uncomfortable. But Chappelle was doing it in such a way that unless you understood kind of three layers deep, you didn't really understand the genius behind what it was that he was doing. And so I think it's just the larger question, you know, people like the, the Tyler Perry's or the Kevin Hart's who have like this really large platform and, and clout in Hollywood. Do you think that they're, they're doing a disservice by not expanding some of the platforms uh, for for entertainment purposes or, or just for cultural purposes for, for the black community. Hmm. Well, I think that honestly, like, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, I don't know if you notice that Tyler Perry actually has a lot more shows on BET. And now that there's the BET Plus platform now, which is like online streaming. I think he has even more shows on that. So I really think that Tyler Perry is, I don't know. I don't know if he like has a partnership with BET, but I really think that he's trying to um, put more things out there. But he also gets a little bit of backlash sometimes too with how he um, portrays african-americans and like the angry black woman right. and all that kind of stuff so i mean people are always going to have things to say <laughs> they're, they're always going to be irritated by something yeah but yeah. i mean it's not a, i mean in in no way i mean tyler perry is immensely successful but i just wonder sometimes does the black community look at tyler perry and go with all the success in this platform that you have you should be taking a few more shots like 
you know, you look at somebody like a Donald Glover and it's like he has all of this, you know, success and he's taking his shots now and he's dropping, you know, music videos like This Is America just randomly and trying to push that that conversation and that narrative. And and Tyler Perry has never really felt accessible to to white people, not not in the sense that we can't laugh at what he's doing. But it certainly doesn't feel like I, I would watch something from Tyler Perry and feel enlightened when I walk out of there. It's not like thought provoking to me. So yeah. you're saying that there's not a lot of entertainment that reflects like, I, I kind of just, I don't understand. So like. I think I kind of get what he's picking up on. And, you know, to that extent, this is what I will say. I think that Tyler Perry does an amazing job at what he does. And I think that because he does it it's with such excellence, he stays in pocket. Now, it does not mean that he is not actually pushing the envelope. He does it in other ways. He puts other folk on blast by doing things, maybe not inside of that arena. So that's fair. What you're saying is right there. But also, who else do you know that went to, I don't know, how many different uh, retail store establishments in the greater Atlanta area and paid off everybody's layaway so that their families could have Christmas? Oh yeah, and and this is certainly not a knock against Tyler Perry as the human. I I think, yeah, he's he's done tremendous things, and and I've seen him in other things. I think it's just the larger discussion. Like for instance, you know, Jordan basically saying that, you know, Michonne is interested in these other shows and these other platforms. Like we're not as different as we think we are. Mm-hmm. Then why why does why do channels like BET? narrow their focus so much or or at such it seems i mean so here's the real answer um and i hate to put it this way and maybe this is going to go back to that conversation we had before when i was talking about the white man but um (laughs) what hey this is white folks wondering so go ahead yeah i gotta i gotta go back and do my research but if i'm correct um bt was purchased by mtb quite some time ago okay Uh, oh yeah and um, if I'm wrong, then I will immediately retract. But I'm trying to find it right now. Leave me alone, Devin. Let me. Let well, me I can. You can talk, and I can look. Yeah, this is true. But still. Uh, but yeah. So, and, and I think that because I believe that ended up becoming a conversation quite some time ago. So it's owned by um, Viacom CBS, which yeah owns like everything else. So because I don't, yeah, I don't by, think, I don't think any of these smaller networks are actually independent in in most ways there's a, a handful that are but most of them are owned in a, a larger sense now well you know the the person who started BET was very much an african-american individual and and what they did was initially they did create content for the community right but they did it for the community at large um and they did their best to not polarize it either i mean yeah it was kind of funny because it was almost a black version of what mtv was trying to do initially up front mm-hmm. You know, you had you had video soul, you had um, Caribbean rhythm, so you you know, and and a whole lot of different. So so they gave you different elements and avenues of the entire black culture was what they did that was great initially. And then you know, um, I can't remember exactly when BT was acquired, but then you really did start to notice those changes. Um, you know, MTV had the Real World, BT, good guy, any black person remembers College Hill. And boy, College Hill was, was wild, but it was it was it was their version of it was their version of what the real world was all about. And then, you know, certain other things, just little nuances begin to follow suit. 
Um, and it was because that's what they, A, thought the people wanted, and then also, B, thought that's what the people needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by that, you can kind of pick up on what I'm putting down. Um, and I mean, I think they really do the same thing with, with, with MTV as well. Um, you know, I think that as well as the music industry has always been something that I will not call mindless, but I will say that they try and push what they want to push. And if you don't believe me, that also flows into other conversations that we really don't need to get into. But an excellent example was what uh, the dude that did the TED Talk uh, that was talking about Rick Ross and how uh, Rick Ross, you know, he was spitting the same kind of stuff that everybody else was spitting about money and about drugs and women and all this other stuff. And their record label was completely fine with that, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then one day he put something in his lyrics about, and I don't remember what it is specifically. it was Reebok, wasn't it? There was something, yeah, and yeah. then and then the backlash came from Reebok, right? Yeah, because he posted something about, um, or he not posted something, but he put something in his lyrics about a date rape drug. And I think that he was trying to illuminate the issue. He wasn't just talking about. I, I don't know exactly. How, like I said, I don't I don't listen to Rick Ross like that. Um, but yeah, he got in so much hot water for that, and he was immediately fired from Reebok. And yeah, I mean, it's just all the backlash for really just kind of keeping it real, which used to not be an issue, especially in hip hop. I mean, that's what Biggie Smalls was known for. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where people are always trying to control the narrative and they're trying to produce the single story. And, you know, we, I, we were reading, um, and again, just another conversation that we've had with the amazing man, Brandon J. O'Brien. That's exactly what he was talking about is there's so many different single stories that have been created by the media and other um, and they produce these uh, assumptions, and these assumptions just kind of get taken into these different places where they don't need to go. And so, when somebody is saying something that doesn't sound like what you wanted to sound like, and you're the person in power who can control that or sign paychecks or whatever the case may be, then yeah, you're probably going to do something to silence that. Um, and I think that that is one of the main reasons why BET does what it does, because uh, I'm pretty sure that somebody you, you can't tell me that somebody in the past 15, 20, 30 years has said, you know, I really would like to do a cooking show on BET. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure someone was like, nah, bro, right. that's not going to happen, my guy. You know, um, it's a guarantee that it just had to have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- that means it's also a sad shame that they're like, yo, it's not give the people what they want. You don't even know what they want sometimes, but you're going to give them what you want to give them. Well, and sometimes you're, you're so wrapped up in, cause I understand how this industry works. You know, you're so wrapped up in the ratings or the money that reality television is what's going to sell. Then you're not going to take your chances on doing these artful projects or these niche projects that, that might expand something into a different way, you know, allow you to kind of come up with some creative and new ideas so, you know, it's, and it's not like a question that really had an answer. It was more of a question that would lead to the discussion. So, and it looks like Rick Warras did it on Yo You Know, uh, ASAP Rocky song, which I love that song. So, <laughs> you know. Let's, 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 let's find some Bible to put in there. No. Uh, I didn't say anything. I mean, there's plenty of filthy in that song, but. I'm really just, I'm just yeah. playing, you know, the back line <laughs> of all of this is we, we clearly know where our faith stands. If we can't talk about this stuff here, then where can you talk about it? And I do think that brings up an interesting point though. I think by a lot of the white community, hip hop is completely misunderstood because they think a lot of times that these types of lyrics or these types of things is glorifying it when in a lot of ways it's, it's highlighting it. 
you know, it's, it's kind of bringing it to the surface and saying, you know, there's a reason why this community has to deal with what's going on. It's, you know, it's not a glorification of, you know, you go back to songs like F the police is not a glorification of violence toward the police. It's, Hey, understand what we have to deal with when it comes to our interactions with the police. And here we are 30 years later. Oh, that's what you mean. <laughs> right. Right. That's hilarious. Yeah. The, the miseducation and in, in all of that is, I, I mean, it's a travesty, but also it's, it's supremely laughable to think that what that really is, is it's a, it's a misunderstanding that was developed from a lack of code switching. Like, I think what we really should have done, even though people didn't realize that it needed to be done, was we needed to take um, the the lyrics from songs like that, and then we needed to have somebody translate them. Oh, okay. In, <laughs> into a fair Caucasian speak. I don't know how you want to call it. Yeah, something like that. Like a country song? Yeah. Like Garth Brooks would be singing, gosh darn the police. <laughs> Try to translate it somehow. Yeah. That would have worked out, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we we'll say "gosh darn the police," bro. No, I think I, Garth I, I, Brooks would say that though. Like that's oh what I'm my saying. Gosh. Yeah. But what just happened? I mean, you, you wanted just, just you wanted to translate. Please, just so. please say something else. I think on that note, it's time to wrap that's it up. It. She's gonna go with, to the Burger King. <laughs> I don't know. I think oh. I think I think that single could slap. Garth Brooks drops. Gosh darn the police. That can slap. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, can we uh, I'm sorry. To to my to my dying day. Maybe not. I mean, it's crazier things happen, but to, first of all, y'all are ridiculous. Second of all, <laughs> I just I keep thinking about what is this song? I forget who it wasn't Tim McGraw, but somebody did a song with L O Cool J. And when I heard it, I immediately knew. Yeah, it's Brad that there Paisley. Was no way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And he's horrendous. Uh, yeah. I mean, I want nothing to do with his music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe that's what it was. Maybe we need to find, like, we need to find somebody to do something with Chris Stapleton, who I also don't think is really country when it comes down to it. Man, yeah. got a little I bit mean, too much soul. There's almost no country singers actually left right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, what are you talking about? There's always Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, Taylor Swift. There's always She's still a country artist, right? Lady, Lady A. Is that? And Lady then Antebellum. it's Lady A and just the chicks now. So, um, yeah, with this movement, there's been a lot of name changing. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Antebellum, you can't say that. And then uh, Dixie Chicks are just the chicks, I believe now. So, I mean, at least they were white woke. and We can appreciate that. Oh, no, I, I think it's it's actually telling when people are willing to make a change when not yeah. not receiving some sort of you know public backlash. It's It's much more telling when people are willing to go ahead and and take a look in the mirror and go we need to change this <laughs> but you you know you you know what we're doing right when we when we say that though we're, we're we're feeding back into the understanding of what we know about nascar so why are we surprised well we're not yeah no all close right people all right yeah close that, us that close us up <laughs> <laughs> need to wrap this bro. i've talked enough about nascar i never want to talk about nascar again what are you talking about? I still never did the one tweet that I saw with NASCAR, which I think was was better than yours, but that's just me, though. There's nothing better than mine. That uh, that tweet had two jokes in it, and not to mention the fact that racist Arelli 
was the name. So come on. Yeah. Ray Cicerelli. Good God. Yeah. yeah, it's it's time to hang it up again. I don't I don't know how we you know what? Just for that, I think this is worthy of me saying it's time to go night night. Yep. Three episodes so. in a row. Let's go. <laughs> night night. And Swango sitting up here. True. Now Swango, I'm sorry, I gotta ask this question. And, True. I, and it's it's gonna be disrespectful, but you know, <laughs> oh I just God. I have to do it. No, I'm I'm just curious because you said I gone short. Do you still have a onesie? I do. See? I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have like three. Okay. I don't wear them though because they're so hot. I'm like, how does anybody freaking sleep in this thing? Yeah, no, I'm it, with I'm it's not. too thick. I'm like, not even no. in the winter time. No, I'm I'm very mm. hot natured, so like I'm sleeping with the fan on. Jeez, you come like, from that Bel Air money. Can't even sleep in a flannel onesie in December. <laughs> I could use a flannel onesie in December. Oh my gosh! See, this is what I'm saying. Now this this is the nature of the beast, though, right? So, and then we'll, we'll wrap up, I promise. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm sitting up here joking her. And the one thing that my wife was not able to do last year was to get everybody matching PJs, which she wanted to do because she's bought into this Caucasian Christmas deal. Oh, yeah, that is a super, super white Christmas. That I was going to say, hey, that's a tradition in the Psycho family. That is like a white supremacy I, I believe Christmas. That. Now, who put that together? Was that your mom or your dad that put that together, Justice? Honestly, I don't know. Okay. I've done it since we were kids. I mean, typically the the dad is not the one going. We need matching jammies. Well, okay, I will say this: they we don't get technically matching pajamas. Like my sister and I, they're pretty. Like I'll get the white top and the black pants, and she'll get like the black top and the white pants. Like so, we're not like identical, but like you have to open pajamas Christmas Eve. It's the most overt pajama color scheme I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And that just it's it really past goes, our bedtime. Yep. Yep. Because I was about to say that goes right in the flow with your family. <laughs> uh-huh. Y'all listen to Ebony and Ivory when you do it, uh-huh. too, don't you? Yeah. Doc on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We are done <gasps> here. God is good. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah. Glory to God. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank y'all so very much for putting up with the now delusional. Uh, eye to eye podcast team. Uh, we we appreciate your lives more than you know. Um, but to continue to stay tuned and please remember to be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. I'm Jordan. I'm Devin. I'm Justice. And we are all together tired and ridiculous and we will holler at you next week. Please. Wear your mask. Wash, Wash your hands. hands. Wash your oh. hands. <laughs> Beat me to it. Eye to Eye is a production of Inspired One Enterprises. 
Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Marketing and media, Justice Swangle. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB, Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta, at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. <laughs>